This is a Mortarbox Media Podcast. For more podcasts and to learn how we can help you create your own, visit mortarboxmedia.com. Welcome to Chill Filtered, the podcast where we drink whiskey so you don't have to. Today is a very special episode, and uh, we do these every now and then, but I'll get into that in a moment of why it's special. But first, I wanted to talk about a little bit of podcast business. Um, thanks for joining us today. We're so grateful you guys are listening. Uh, we always have a good time, and uh, we're so grateful, yeah, just to have supporters, whether it be listening or even our Patreon. Um, if you could do us a big favor, whether you're a first time listener or not, we always love good feedback and we always love good reviews. So if you're on iTunes or whatever venue of podcast venue you, uh, listen through, feel free to leave a rating or a review. It means a lot to us, uh, especially five star ratings. Uh, we love to, uh, get more exposure that way, but also we love, um, getting feedback and seeing how, what we can do better and possibly what we can, uh, just to improve on. So, uh, also we do have patreon.com, uh, patreon.com slash chill filtered specifically, uh, where we can, uh, be supported by uh, you guys in a very deeper way, uh, financially, whether it's $1 a month or up to, you know, whoever knows how much a month we do have great, uh, things on Patreon. We're actually starting to do uh, merch stuff going soon. Uh, but in the meantime, we're doing the daily chaser, which is like a mini podcast episode, usually about 12 to 15 minutes. Uh, we actually have a very fun time, me and Adam, doing that. But uh, if you're on the $5 or more tier a month, uh, that way you can get the Daily Chaser every day. And we do it a week weekday daily. And uh, yeah, you can be a part of that. And it would really support us in a really great way. And we'd be so grateful. Thank you to all the Patreon supporters that also already support us. Uh, I think that's about it for business. So there's the business. Here's the podcast. Uh, today I have with me a very good friend. His name is John Montero. Adam is actually very sick today, and he gives his regrets. Uh, he texted me, and he's like, make sure they, I, you give them my regrets. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally do it. So he's feeling really sick. He was actually planning on doing the uh, interview with uh, one of the distilleries in Madison today, or at least for the episode released today. Uh, but sadly, yeah, he's, he's feeling pretty rough, and so is his wife. So uh, cross your fingers, say a prayer for him if you want to. But um yeah, so today, like I said, very special episode. Got my friend John Montero with me. John is a very good friend, and uh, we get along pretty well. We uh, basically our wives know we have like a bromance going on, and it's pretty funny. Um, I, if I were to describe John, I would say uh, he's pretty pretty much Hawaiian uh, in uh, complexion, uh, but he's actually Filipino in heritage. But he grew up in Hawaii. I'll let him do some of the talking, um, but. Yeah, everyone, uh, listeners, here is John Montero. John, is this your first time on a podcast? It is indeed. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really glad to be here with you today. I forgot we talked about that. I, uh, John brought that up earlier, and I was like, oh, you should totally bring that on the podcast. Um, John, so so tell me about it. You grew up in Hawaii, but like lived in, yeah, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So grew up in Hawaii, absolutely loved it. Love the weather, love being able to be outside for the majority of the year. All of our activities were, were outside uh, around the ocean, being at parks. Uh, any family get-togethers were always outside. So uh, moving from there to Arizona to go to uh, ASU, nice. uh, go Devils. Go Devils. Yep, uh, definitely still in Devils country. Uh, very excited to uh, to be here and to, to represent 
the Hawaiian culture. Nice. Uh, the idea was to move back, but uh, after college, got married mm-hmm. uh, very quickly after that. So I am now going to be in Arizona for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I mean, like we're in the same part where you know you've you've got. I actually, I think you're renting now. Is that right? Yeah, we're, we are. We are renting uh, in Mesa, so we're about mm-hmm. 15 minutes away from where you live. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I feel like a little bit more of a connection now. You know, you married into it. I bought a house into it. So, um, you know how it, you know, you hook on to a city. We'll probably be here for a good few years, but uh, I think we're on the same boat as like one day, maybe one day we'll move back to Virginia, uh, which we love, but it sounds like Hawaii is that place for you. Yeah. And one, one day we may move back to Hawaii. People always ask me, what are you doing in Arizona? Uh, <laughs> but, but what I will say is that I hate the cold and I travel for work. So I've been to Minneapolis in the dead of winter, not a fan. I've yeah. been to Montreal uh, in their fall in October, and that was really cold, that not a fan. That sounds crazy. Been to Fort Collins uh, in, the, in the dead of winter, woke up, it was negative one degrees, and I said, I cannot live in this. So I am very happy to be in Phoenix and to call it my home. Yeah, there are definitely some really good uh, perks to living in the Phoenix area. I realized, I always thought like Arizona in general was a... Um, just a really hot place. But if you go to Northern Arizona or like Flagstaff, it's, or even like the Grand Canyon, it, it's like the rest of the country in terms of like snow and in terms of like, I mean, it's, it's definitely reminds me of Colorado when I lived there. Yeah. And it's a, it's a higher elevation. And I remember one summer in college, we were meeting some friends in the Grand Canyon during the summertime and I saw the high was supposed to be 78. I said, oh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. But we left at midnight and got there at 4 a.m. to meet them. They were camping. Woo. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And when, when we got there, uh, it was about 32 degrees. <laughs> I, I only had a light jacket. Do you with own me. A, a, like a legitimate jacket? I, I do now because okay. I travel for work. But that, back then, I had windbreakers. And that's what I brought with me. Oh, that's great. So uh, I forgot to mention uh, one of the things that we're, or the the drink that we are drinking today, you might think, you know, what brand or what distillery or whatever like that. The distillery is Buffalo Trace, but we're not drinking Eagle Rare or Buffalo Trace or any of those big names. We're actually drinking cocktails today. And I thought it would be kind of a cool idea to mix it up a little with, um, instead of doing, an you know, a particular whiskey, do a cocktail and then... Um, just talk about the history with that. So we're going to do that today. But John, before I do that, I wanted to see, uh, we have talked over the past few weeks about the past few episodes, and there is something you wanted to bring up, and I would love to talk about that, actually. Can you tell us? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Every episode I, I listen to on Monday or Tuesday uh, when I'm driving to go run some, some errands. And the past few weeks, Adam has been talking about uh, Ben Foles, uh-huh. and uh, and actually in the news he's gone missing, <laughs> and I and I've I, I told Cole, hey, we need to call the cops and tell them that that Adam may be a prime suspect for this. Yeah, I, I figure like, you know, it's funny. I mentioned in the last episode that I listened to two episodes ago where where Adam talked about um, how he basically looks all over town for Ben Folds to like meet him and kind of just talk to him, and, and then in the last episode, I forget what, what did we drink last week? Was it uh, the Ardbeg? Core reckon, I think it was, um, and and then I listened to the Ardbeg uh, episode, and then Adam basically says that he found uh, Ben Folds' home number, but never called it. I'm like, okay, and I think I was holding my tongue a little bit, but when I listened to it later, I'm like, that's crazy, like that's like super <laughs> creepy. But I know Adam like is very good at Google searching. In fact, before he even met me, he did like a ton of research on me uh, because we met up for, for those of you who know the story, we met up to do a uh, Madison Story Slam um, like mini episode. Um, but 
yeah, he like knew all about me and he kind of like judged me a little bit based on his Google search of me. But anyway, uh, that was what he said. And it like set me off like, oh yeah, you're just a really good Google searcher. But I'm like, wait, you got Ben Fold's home number? <laughs> so anyway, I just thought that was pretty funny. And John always brought it up. He's like, yeah, now that he mentions that, it's even more creepy. <laughs> it, it, gets, it gets deeper. The story deepens every <laughs> week. So at, at some point, the the news story will break that he has gone missing. Yeah, and, and then and Adam will be the one that finds him. Exactly, and I, I um, yeah, I just I, but we love you, Adam. Like we don't want to. Uh, I, I just I'm kind of glad that I'm not the one being made fun of this time. Uh, for you know my um, what's the word? Maybe straight laceness that I deal with or that I have. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny when you brought that up. I'm like, now that you mention it, John, I think that is. <laughs> So, John, tell me about, uh, I know you've worked in um, the, maybe the cocktail industry before. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I, I was a bartender at a restaurant chain. So I've, I've been around, you know, alcohol, not the higher top shelf uh, that you guys have been bringing onto the, <laughs> onto the, the podcast, uh, but definitely been around it, been making cocktails for, for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, and I'll also was a barista at some point. So I've been around mixing drinks. And, You're a bartender? And, 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 oh, okay. Yeah, no, co- yeah. yeah, co- yeah. coffee and oh, bartender. Right, yeah, yeah, so I've done both. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been around mixing drinks for, for quite a while. Yeah, you told me. I, I remember when I worked at the bar, you know, I had a jigger to measure out my shots and stuff. And you would tell me, like, they would train you. And I guess this is probably a standard thing amongst the industry, but mine was just super uh important because it was very expensive liquid um but you were able to like judge like ounce pours and like ounce and a half pours oh yeah absolutely we had to (laughs) we had to to do before each of our shifts we had to do it twice we had to to count out uh, just a free pour of of a quarter ounce half ounce ounce two shots and then a a two ounce pour and we'd have to do that uh, for our manager before every shift to to show them like hey we we got our countdown for today so every day like that makes me want to think that like they think you're drunk coming under the like (laughs) shift no not so much that they just want to make sure that that we're not waste we're not wasting the 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 precious liquid even though it's not as precious as uh as, as some as the one that the bar that you worked at it's still you know liquor cost and that's what they they make their money on yeah for sure that makes sense yeah, I uh, I always miss working there. It's a great time. McCormick's Whiskey Grill in Richmond, Virginia. Don't work there anymore, but I know a few of the bartenders still. They're amazing. Um, so I guess we'll get into it a little bit. Um, one uh, thing I've mentioned, we were doing the old-fashioned cocktail, and I've actually already made two double old-fashioned cocktails so that we can kind of drink along the way. So I'm half... Uh, I think John has sipped maybe one sip out of his cocktail, but I am at half right now, so I am liquored up to the point of an ounce and a half of liquor. And uh, John is—it has been a delicious sip, though. Oh, that's good. I was—I was was waiting because I wasn't sure when you were going to have us drink it. The finish. Oh yeah, you can—you can start drinking it now for sure. But the finish is so killer. Um, But that is um, kind of our, uh, as Adam says, our BS time, but I like to say shoot in the breeze time because those listeners out there know I don't even like to, um, uh, what's his word, acronym or or, uh, initial, what is is the word I'm thinking of? Like uh, shorten? Abbreviate. Abbreviate. That's it. Yeah. Abbreviate curses. Uh, even though bastardize is not a curse. And I will second that. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. I got a, I got a, a good friend that. Um, agrees that I have not broken my streak of life, have never cursed. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that. Because <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, I wonder how many... Actually, Adam, still, you got to do um, 
the uh, Instagram vote of is bastardized a uh, curse word. So anyway, we'll see that. And we'll also do an Instagram post of is Adam a stalker? (laughs) I got to learn how to do that because there's like ways you can do that through Instagram stories or something. So I'm going to figure that out. John, do you have an Instagram? I do have an Instagram. Why are we not friends on Instagram? Are we friends? We we are friends on Instagram. Yeah. Never mind. You just don't post very much. Yeah. Do you do you follow a chill filtered podcast? I do indeed. Okay. How did I not know this? I don't. Okay. Cool. Uh, so let's let's get into it. We're gonna go over a little bit of the history of the old fashioned cocktail today. Uh, but before we do that, we're actually gonna take a quick break. To chill filtered second part of the episode we're going to get into a little bit of the history of the old-fashioned cocktail and uh, feel free to chime in at any point john uh but john's actually did did me a huge solid or a solid solid um that he is also he looked up a really good article for uh, whiskey world news today and of course we'll get into that after we sip and after we talk about history and I think we'll do probably a little bit of um like tasting notes even though you, you really can't break down like an old fashioned, an old fashioned. Whether it's a Buffalo Trace or an Eagle Rare, I mean, I could agree. Like Elijah Craig, old fashioned would be slightly different than a Buffalo Trace, old fashioned. Uh, but really, we're just going to talk about how tasty it is, uh, not get too much into the notes. Uh, but we will talk about it a little bit. We'll kind of break it down a bit uh, for those of you out there who have had an old fashioned or um, of any sort. Uh, it's kind of weird though. We've talked actually. Uh, Adam and I have talked about. Uh, Wisconsin, and they are known for their old fashions, especially Madison. Uh, but the weird thing is, like the really like just strange, uh, completely like uh, sociopathic um, thing about uh, old fashions in Madison is that they use brandy, and specifically a like, Corbell brandy, which is like the Fleischmann's of brandy. <laughs> um, and you you know Fleischmann's, right? I, I'm not familiar with it, but okay. I, I did as soon as when Cole told me about this a few months back, I thought it was the weirdest thing. It's to, so weird. And in Wisconsin, they're like, "Why would you ever put whiskey in your old fashioned?" But I'm like, "Why would you ever put brandy in your old?" I don't know. I just. Um, but anyway, I'll get into the uh, first. I wanted to talk about my specific and what we poured today. My specific uh, recipe. Um, so my recipe for a double, and you can single it by having all this. Um, but I do three ounces of bourbon. And I throw that in a tin, and then I do one ounce of um, two-to-one simple syrup. That means two parts sugar, one part water. And then I do four dashes of Angostura bitters. And then I also and I mix that around uh, in a tin, and then I add the ice, which is just about enough to fill up three-quarters of the glass that I'm using. And then I add a lemon peel to the—I throw in the ice to the tin, add a lemon peel to the um, glass— Shake the, not shake the tin, I stir the tin and then throw it in. That is my Cole Seabald's um, old-fashioned recipe. It is great. People loved it at the bar. And the funny thing about the bar that I worked at is every single bartender had a different uh, Angus, or, uh, old-fashioned cocktail. Um, I made mine my way. People loved it. But it was kind of funny. People would come in and be like, this wasn't like the last one I had. I'm like, this is my old-fashioned. Deal with it. <laughs> um, and people loved it when they had mine. But that's just me. Um, we're, yeah, like I said, we're drinking while we're doing the episode. Uh, we'll give some basic notes, but mostly we'll just talk about history and, and stuff. Okay. 
So I got most of my history today, and actually I'm going to take a little sip. My throat's getting a little dry. You hear the clink of the glass or the rocks, everyone? But um, yeah, most of our research today is coming from Thrillist.com. That's T-H-R-I-L-L-I-S-T.com. Um, and the article was um, A Short and Sweet History of the Old-Fashioned Cocktail by Jeremy Glass. Now, this is not a verbatim uh, like we usually do for Whiskey World News. This is just I just wanted to give a little credit to Jeremy Glass, written on uh, April 13, 2015. Uh, I got a lot of information from here, so I didn't want to just uh, imagine that I made it up in my own mind or stole it from anyone without giving them credit. So, John, I have a question for you. How yes. long, how old-fashioned is the old-fashioned? How far back do you think it goes? If I had to guess, I'd say about 100 years. So, like, probably, like, uh, around the, you know, right before Prohibition or right. something like that. If I had to guess, that's what I'd say. Yeah, I thought so, too. I would say, like, maybe, like, as far as um, maybe the 30s or something like that. But I found out today that the recipe goes back quite a while. Um, basically, 1862 was the first time we see in like a book or like what I like to say archaeological evidence of the old fashioned. Um, but whiskey technically wasn't the original old fashioned spirit. Can you take a guess at maybe what the spirit was? Brandy. No, Wisconsinites. <laughs> no, it was not brandy. It was never brandy. You're wrong. You've been wrong. Anyway, I love you, Wisconsinites. Uh, Adam, uh, Caleb, all the great people. Um, you guys are great, but you're wrong. And I love you, but you're wrong. Um, but it wasn't even uh, brandy. It was actually gin. Holland gin was the original, um, like the the first book we ever see with the old fashioned recipe. I now want to kind of try this because I gin is one of my favorite spirits. I agree with you. I I don't think it could go bad. I mean, what's the, there's another? It's a, Negroni is basically a no 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 yeah Negroni's gin right? I think it is. I'd have to look that one. Yeah up. yeah Negroni is the Boulevardier of gin, and it came before the Boulevardier, I think. And so I think that had a little bit of. Um, Uh, vermouth in it and stuff like that but anyway i think it actually had campari but anyway we'll we'll i always forget these things i mean i was bartender but i was at a whiskey bar everyone so whatever um so yeah this this came from a book that was called tom or jerry thomas's bartending guide colon how to mix drinks and this was in 1862 um, and it was the basic five ingredients we see, you know, what I use today, there was ice bitters, a citrus aspect, spirit and sugar. Uh, but yeah, like they, like I said, they use gin instead of whiskey. So basically this is what I would say is the quote, archeological first evidence of anything like an old fashioned. And it was called, um, I forget, I, I don't know why I wrote, didn't write this down, but it was, it had old fashioned in the name. And I think it was like old fashioned Holland gin drink or something like that. Uh, in 1880, though, there was a bartender named James E. Pepper, and he was in Louisville, Kentucky, and he was credited by most to have created the Old Fashioned with whiskey. And he originally worked in the Pendennis Club in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, before taking himself and the recipe to New York City, uh, where the Old Fashioned craze apparently took off. Uh, 15 years later, so that was 18 years since the, the that first gin cocktail was in writing, and then after that, in 19, or 1895, there was a guy named George Kapler who wrote the book that was called Modern American Drinks, uh, in which he gave this verbatim recipe for the, old fa- for the whiskey old-fashioned. And that the verbatim is, quote, 
Dissolve a small lump of sugar with a little water in a whiskey glass. Add two dashes Angostura bitters, a small piece of ice, and a piece of lemon peel, one jigger whiskey, mix with small spoon, and serve, leaving spoon in glass. Wait, leaving spoon in glass? That's kind of weird. What would you do with the spoon? I guess I'm used to I guess it's a small spoon, so I guess that makes up for it. It also could be the, the, the modern uh, take on the hip type of brunch spots that, that give you some really cool uh, serving dishes or serving uh, glasses with your cocktails or your there's actually a really cool place side note yeah yeah uh, please hash kitchen that, that does a, a great bloody mary bar where you can go in and you, you can build your own bloody mary they give you the, the base and you can put in all types of different things bacon 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 <laughs> i was hoping you'd yeah, say that absolutely bacon you can put in uh wings really uh, yeah uh, like the, buffalo uh, wings yeah wow uh, Celery, all, all the all the crazy things, but yeah, the, it could be one of the. They were this was the OG of, yeah. of of hipster culture. And where is? I'm curious. Where is the what did you, hash hash kitchen? kitchen yeah, the, there's a couple around around Phoenix. Uh, there's actually one right by the Whole Foods that we were at today. Oh, nice. Yeah. On, yeah. Okay. Cool. So I'm gonna go there soon. We um, yeah. I, I was actually thinking about it. like I've actually seen online a um, Bloody Mary mix with uh, or not a bloody mary mix like a bloody mary with a burger attached to like a uh, like a skewer that is attached to the glass basically so it puts the priority i guess on the bloody mary which i can really enjoy i never thought i would enjoy a bloody mary but if it gets like super peppery and um bacony and stuff i'm always down but anyway um yeah i guess that must have been the first thing so they leave the spoon in the glass okay cool cool george kapler um, so yeah, uh, that was 1895. And then another mention of the old fashioned in history, or at least old history, was in the times of uh, much celebration and much depression at the same time. Depression because it was after the Great, or during basically the Great Depression, but uh, excitement and uh, you know being happy because Prohibition had ended. Um, and I blame, I'm going to go into this, John. I blame Prohibition for the Great Depression. I don't know what it was like. My grandpa grew up in the Great Depression, and I'm sure he's turning over in his grave thinking um, that wasn't what it was all about. I know it was a lot to do with the stock market and all that crap, but I must imagine that it would be pretty rough to go through Great Depression, or at least the beginning of the Great Depression, without liquor, or at least without alcohol. So yeah. I could not imagine doing that. Yeah, I, I think like the funny thing is, is like we whenever we get together, uh, John and me and our wives... Um, actually your wife is known for her quote, Aubrey pour, uh, of wine, which is a substantial pour of, it's almost like most of the wine glass is full of wine. And it, and we found out that it's actually hereditary. Her, her grandma poured wine for us at a family dinner and it was more than what Aubrey poured. <laughs> I forgot about that story. It was like, like Aubrey was like, yeah, I feel very justified by this because it's in the family. Uh, one second, I'm going to take another sip. This is a good old fashioned. It is. It? It's a great old fashioned. I, I wish the listeners could taste this. Oh, but you can if you make it yourself. Yeah, exactly. You have all it takes if you can find a bottle of Eagle Rare, or if you can find a bottle of anything. I mean, especially if it's good bourbon. I, I do enjoy a rye old fashioned, um, but I don't enjoy a whiskey or a brandy old fashioned. Um, no, I do. Don't get me wrong. Actually, I have enjoyed, uh, especially in Madison, some brandy old fashions. But they're so like. I don't know. Like the, I'm getting into this probably for the third time, John. Is that um, 
brandy old fashions are typically like the most what's the word like diluted um cocktails because like normally the brandy old fashioned is like you add a, a you know a decent amount of brandy and then you do your bitters and then you muddle usually sugar maybe not simple syrup you do like straight sugar and you muddle sugar with like a, a orange slice and then usually people will add sprite to it to like completely bastardize the cocktail <laughs> i love that word now and for those of you out there children especially uh, who are listening to this alcohol podcast uh, bastardize means to basically illegitimize uh, what was once legit and turn it into uh, something that is not too legit to quit. Um, so you can use it around your, your parents or your teachers. Just make sure they know you did not use the shortened word, uh, but rather the verb uh, that means to illegitimize things. Um, so everyone enjoy that word. It's great. And I heard it from the pulpit, so therefore it's good. Um <laughs> Yeah, where where did I leave off? 1836, after Prohibition had ended, uh, there was an article in the New York Times uh, put out by or put out a old fashioned recipe written by an author that was only referred to as the quote old timer unquote as basically a celebration of the end of Prohibition. Here um, was part of what was written for it. It says, "Quote: Consider, for instance, the old fashioned cocktail time." was when the affable and sympathetic bartender moist, moist. <laughs> Talk about verbiage. Yeah, if, if bastardized is a good verb, moist is a better word. Um, a lump of sugar uh, with Angostura bitter dropped in a lump of ice, neither too large nor or too small, um, stuck in a miniature bar spoon and passed the glass to the client with the bottle of good bourbon, from which uh, said client was privileged, privileged to pour his own drink. So do you get what they're doing there? They're handing the the, the customer the bottle of bourbon. <laughs> now that like me and you both know that you're you especially being the one who um, basically was trained every day to pour the right pour. That liquor is expensive, and if you handed the customer a bottle of bourbon they probably wouldn't skimp out on it so i thought that was pretty funny but they also would come back every day yeah that's for sure um yeah i I mean especially if they're in wisconsin but they would probably do with a bottle of brandy but i i have experienced this though uh, on on honey on honeymoon in mexico uh, with 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 my wife thank god for mexico absolutely we were at a uh, we were at a resort in mexico in mazatlan for our honeymoon and we just made great friends with all the bartenders and pool servers. Mm-hmm. So, so one day we, we said, hey, you know, we, we want, uh, can we just get a couple of shots of tequila? Said, oh, sure. So the, the pool server comes back with the bottle of tequila. Amen. And just leaves it at the poolside with us. He said, I'll be back for that. Oh, that's crazy. Did you like take it to your hotel room? No, we finished it. Uh, in one and, sitting? Yeah, in one sitting. And I mean, it wasn't the full bottle. Oh, but I gotcha. Yeah, it was, it was like maybe half of the bottle or a quarter of the bottle. That's pretty sweet, though. Yeah, and, and he only charged us for two shots. Yo, viva la Mexico, as <laughs> I, uh, I'd like to say. I've never been to Mexico, though, and I live so close now. Like, what is it? How far is the drive from here? Uh, it, it's probably about two, two yeah, a little over two hours to okay, get cool. to the border, yeah. Yeah, although I've been listening to a lot of issues with, you ever seen the movie Sicario? Uh, yes, love that movie. That movie is so good, but it also freaks me out from ever going down to Mexico. That movie's so oh, I just love it. Anyway, but I just that movie. Let me just say one thing about that movie is that it does a fantastic job of demonizing the enemy, 
And some movies, it's good to demonize the enemy. Some movies, like war movies, it's not always... I always find it's not always good to demonize the enemy. But they, like, really brought this, like, good, dark stuff to it. Anyway. Yeah, and I think the opening scene was actually in Gilbert, where you live. Really? That... <laughs> oh! I gotta look this up now, and I gotta look up where it was. Cause, and I won't even give anything away, because the opening scene of Sicario is so intense. And, uh, and I could totally see that being in Gilbert. Oh, that's crazy. Um... So anyway, um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So total wine price. Um, there is no total wine price here. Um, you know, whatever you're willing to buy slash pour, don't overdo it. Um, you never want to pour like something fancy into an old fashioned unless you're feeling crazy or drunk, uh, which I wouldn't know about except for one time. Um, this is a cocktail, not a show off drink. So I recommend, honestly, like I couldn't recommend more Buffalo Trace or Eagle Rare. Uh, those are somewhat hard to find these days. I wouldn't be against anyone like getting a bottle of Fort Roses or Woodford Reserve or um, even Jim Beam. You know, you can rock. Um, but once you get past a certain level, if the bottle's worth maybe 60 bucks or more, maybe don't throw that in your old-fashioned cocktail. But really, it's up to you. Um, really, why I say that is because you are diluting and uh, empowering this whiskey. Empower is not a good word. But um, putting bitters into this whiskey and sugar that basically lessen the actual whiskey but make a really good cocktail. So um, I couldn't imagine if I was at the bar and someone came up and said, I'll take a Pappy Van Winkle old-fashioned. I would probably tell them no, and you can leave right now because you're so disrespectful for or towards whiskey. Anyway, John, what do you think of this pour? Sipping on it. You know, let me take one more sip to, mm. to refresh the memory. That is a great old-fashioned. <laughs> I, I really enjoy your recipe. Yeah. I, I, I do like it as a double. Uh, I, I think as a uh, as a single, it probably doesn't have packed the same punch. Yeah. Uh, and it, it'll go a lot quicker. So you'll end up making a second one anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that this is it's very smooth. Uh, it's a little bit sweet. Uh, and that's from... Your simple syrup, mm-hmm. uh, and it has a, it has a nice hint of that citrus. We have a nice lemon peel in here. Yeah, and that's the funny thing is that I we were at the grocery store today, me and John and John's wife. It's a long story, um, and and I was like, I want to make old fashions today, but it's an old fashioned is not the same without the simplest ingredient in there. And I'm not talking about ice, I guess, but um, the lemon peel seems almost trivial. Uh, but it adds so much to the, like, uh, you really can't call it an old-fashioned without a citrus aspect. And I'm okay, very okay with, instead of a lemon peel, uh, an orange peel, I don't muddle typically, although a lot of people will muddle. Like, I've watched some videos on, like, the best ways to do old fashions, and people will typically take a sugar cube, and they will put that in the center of the glass, and then they will add maybe a... um, piece of like citrus like an actual not a peel more so like a slice and then they will add to the top of the um sugar they'll like the the what do you call sugar cube they'll add like the bitters into the cube and then they'll mash it all and like uh, muddle it all and i don't do that i just i guess i just like the first time i was ever trained to make an old-fashioned i wouldn't um muddle um, but I've had some really good muddled ones, but I much prefer this one so far. Yeah, and the way that you described it is is actually the way that that I was trained to make the old fashioned is with the the orange peel and, and muddling mm-hmm. and it and actually the, the the sugar cube. 
So everything yeah. you described is the one that, that I typically make as my standard. Yeah, and I mean, even looking back in the history of the old-fashioned, like mine is not, quote, traditional, uh, you know, according to that, especially that one we looked at where it was like add the um, bitters to the sugar. Um, mine comes in the form of simple syrup, and it's mostly sugar simple syrup. Um, but I, I always think this like ratio or whatever it is is like perfect, and I really enjoy it. And it's also great because I remember we did a poker night a few uh, weeks or months That's ago, right. and, and you you pretty much made pre made the the mix uh, mm. with your simple syrup and your bitters, and you just said pour this much bourbon mm. and this much of the mix, and fast old fashioned, and the the guys loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I forgot about that. And that's like something you can do, everyone. Like if you want to host a party and you want to do cocktails, it's like you really don't want to mix the simple syrup and the uh, bitters. And so basically I just yeah, left out the lemon, left out the bitters slash simple syrup mixture, said pour this much, and then uh, pour this much uh, whiskey. And it was a good night. Did, did you win the second night? No, I started out strong, uh, and and then I I needed to to leave because I was waking up early the next morning. So I just started just making the the dumb bets, hoping that either I would, right. I would I would win big and win back my tea time for the next morning, or be able to go home earlier. Yeah, and then I guess oh Brandon, our good friend Brandon won that night. That was a fun one. We'll have to do that more. I I love poker so much so that I have to worry or like because yeah yeah I'm, i mean i don't have to worry like poker is the best way to gamble in my opinion uh, because you kind of like i love bluffing and i love playing that way and i found out recently that i do have a few tells and i got to be careful and i won't tell you john i won't tell the world what my tells are uh, but i've been able to control them recently which is kind of fun but anyway um i guess it's hard to like give this a rating because I don't want to compare it to any legitimate whiskey that we've ever had. And when we do, you know, the, we'll probably do a two year, like 104th episode or maybe a hundredth episode. We'll figure out what to do there. Um, but uh, we'll probably not add this to our ratings because it's not legitimate, just whiskey. It's not drinking it straight with water and with ice and all that stuff. Um, but I don't know, John, what would you give this out of 10? In terms of old fashions, maybe not in terms of whiskey. Yeah, in terms of old fashions. So I've I travel for work quite a bit, and I, I get to go to to all the really cool metropolises: mm. Chicago, San Francisco, New York. Yeah, uh, and and I've I've been able to try and uh, and Honolulu. There's some great uh, cocktail bars in Honolulu. Just don't go to like Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so I, I've been able to have some really great cocktails, and I've had some really great old fashions. Um, and honestly, I can honestly say that this one is probably one of my favorites. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> wait, wait, can you outdo it though? Like I wouldn't even be hurt if you told me like this bar in San Francisco had a better old fashioned. So I, I can't pinpoint, you know, exactly which one it was. Uh, th- there are other cocktails that, that stand out more in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there, there's a, a mesquite smoked Manhattan in Hawaii that abso- absolutely love. And every time that I go back, I make it a point to, to stop at this bar and, and get one. Where was it? Uh, in Honolulu? Yeah, in Honolulu. That's it's, great. It's called Pint and Jigger. It's a, a, absolutely great. They have amazing cocktails just in general. Uh, but as far as the old-fashioned goes, uh, I, I would probably give this one on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, like an 8.5. 8.5. I'm going to give it a solid 10. And using my new rating system, I would probably give this an exceptional uh, I don't want to give it the top 10 I've ever had, but you know what? I am going to give this the top 10 I've ever had. Uh, so I'd give this, what did I say? A 10? You, you did say a 10. I, no. I think you are a bit biased because this one is, it's made to your 
specifications and your your preferences. Yeah, well, you're not coming back ever again, John. <laughs> if you don't give this a ten, no, no, you're right, you're right. Um, but then again, I haven't had too many old fashions outside. I sometimes I I want to go with the crazy drinks when I go to a bar. Like I don't want to just go standard. Like this is the standard of whiskey uh, cocktails. So sometimes I want to try new things when I go to cool bars. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll change my rating and I'll say it's an eight point five zero. Perfect. I love the hundredths there. All right, so um, I, we are actually doing pretty good on time. But the next uh, portion of our show, we're actually going to do uh, our favorite segment, and it's sort of our favorite, but we always call it our favorite. And this is time for whiskey world news. <laughs> All right, back for Chill Filters Whiskey World News. Now, John is actually going to read an article that he found himself, and uh, and it kind of matches with his style of uh, what he likes to do and what he likes to learn, uh, and we'll get into that in a second. But for those of you who are new, Whiskey World News is a good par- portion of our show where we read an article that is not written by us and not written, you know, I guess that's really what it is. It's not written by us. Uh, and we want to give full credit to the author. We want to discuss it, but we don't want to claim it's ours. We don't want to like run with it in terms of taking credit for it. Um, but John's got an article today. He's going to cite all the um, important details, so you can find the article online if you want to. Uh, but John, take it away. All right. So today, uh, the article com- comes from Barrens.com, titled, Rare Whiskey Remains World's Best Performing Luxury Asset and it's by Fang Block. Rare whiskey continued to outperform other luxury asset classes during the 12 months leading up to June, according to a Knight Frank report out Thursday. Prices of rare whiskey increased 25% during that period, the largest pace of growth among 10 mainstream collectible assets tracked by the Knight Frank Luxury Investment Index, including art, coins, watches, cars, stamps, colored diamonds, jewelry... Jewelry? Jewelry. (laughs) Sorry. Your studio jewelry yeah. will not appreciate the same as fine whiskey. Uh, jewelry, furniture, and wine. Overall, the index rose 4% on an annual basis. Coins and art are the other two asset classes with double-digit price growth, up 12% and 10% respectively. At the end of the first quarter, prices of rare whiskey climbed 35% year-over-year, according to Knight Frank, which uses data from Rare Whiskey 101 a Scotland-based company that provides insight and intelligence to whiskey collectors and investors worldwide. The slower growth rate in prices of rare whiskey during the second quarter is mainly due to a steep downturn in prices for the Macallan, coupled with plenty of supply, Andy Sampson of Rare Whiskey 101 said in the report. But he predicts whiskey will appreciate again during the rest of 2019. Things have since picked up significantly, so we're expecting a wholly better set of results at the year-end, he said. One real-life sign of the market uptick was the Sotheby's Whiskey Auction online and live in London, which closed on Thursday. The leading lot of the auction, a bottle of 1926, 60-year-old, that's 60, 60-year-old Macallan, fetched 1.45 million pounds sterling, which in U.S. dollars is 1.87 million, against a pre-sale estimate of between 350,000 and 450,000 pounds sterling. So that's that's three times more Dang. than they expected this bottle to sell for. Uh, the price sets a new auction record for any bottle of wine or spirit, according to Sotheby's. 
uh, a rare bottle of single malt scotch whiskey from the closed distillery of Brora sold for 54,450 pounds sterling, more than three times its high estimate of 18,000 pounds sterling, and also setting a record for the distillery. Celebrating its 200th anniversary this year, Brora closed in 1983, but is set to reopen next year after meticulous restoration over three years. Uh, Sotheby's titled The Ultimate Whiskey Collection from a Single Owner with More Than 390 Lots realized a total of 7.6 million pounds sterling, smashing the pre-sale estimate of between 3.3 and 4.6 million pounds sterling. Uh, The article goes on to give context for the Knight Frank Luxury Investment Index, saying that the top three asset classes uh, that they track for 10-year returns are classic cars at 190%, coins at 193%, and rare whiskey at a whopping 540%. What? That's crazy. So that's the article? That's that's the article. And it's, basically it's saying that, that if, if you're out there and you're buying these ultra-fine whiskeys, you can expect uh, up to 590%. Wait, like per what? I guess year? 540% over 10 years. 10 years. 540% appreciation. That like worries me, I guess. So like my, my question to you, I guess, John, is that um, do you expect this trend to continue? You know, it's a tough one. So just for a little bit of context, uh, I, I studied economics at, at ASU. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's what my, my undergrad is in. And I uh, I definitely don't work in that field now, but every all of this stuff still interests me. And I, I love watching, you know, shows that talk about the economics of things. And I still read economist articles uh, from here and there. Um, but, it, you know, it, it really depends on, as, as with anything else, it's all in the eye of the beholder. So it definitely... Right now, it's, there's people out there that are willing to spend this much. Uh, it could be in the next couple of years where they're, you know, they're not doing as well and they don't want to spend that kind of money. Yeah, yeah, that's a crazy thing, I guess. Is that, um, you know, I would say the whiskey boom started in like 2012 or 13, and I got into whiskey in like 2015. But then again, and you know, one of the examples of my, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Appreciation of whiskey, uh, like mathematically appreciation was um what is it called um mccallan edition number one one of the bottles i got over in my it's not exactly a shelf right now it's a bunch of boxes because we still haven't bought that hutch we were hoping to buy my wife and i um but it's yeah mccallan edition number one i bought it for like i want to say like 120 at the most and now it's worth if it were closed uh it was it's worth over a thousand dollars uh, which is like crazy. Uh, of course, it was like the beginning. Now they have like edition number five or six out. Um, but like a thousand dollars, like basically anywhere between eight to ten times what I bought it for. And um, which pretty much proves the point of this article because because yeah. this one is saying it's five point four times. Yeah, and you're th- this bottle you're talking about is you know eight or nine times. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And the funny thing, I mean, like McAllen is the one. Like if you're gonna get McAllen, I mean, the funny. I was telling John about this before uh, we were recording, and I was like, McAllen is the one that fetches the most because in nineteen, what was it, twenty six. In 1926, there was a 60-year-old bottle, or a bottle with 60-year-old juice in it, and um, you know, so they had been rocking the um, this this juice since the Civil War. <laughs> so, like, that's crazy to me. Is that and that McAllen was ahead of their game in terms of aging whiskey at the time. Um, so it makes sense to me that like not only like oh, it's just crazy to think about that there was a this like bottle 
was distilled in the Civil War time. Yeah, and I mean, you're getting excited about, you know, a potential bottle that you might be able to try at a wedding coming up in the near future. Potential yeah. wedding. Okay, so have I told, have I, have I mentioned, I don't think I've mentioned this on the on the podcast. I, I don't know if you have. So okay. Apologies if I, if I let something out of the no, bag. No, 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 let's talk about this. So, oh, I probably shouldn't mention it. Well, let's just say um, there's a, <laughs> I can't even tell <laughs> He can't listen to this episode because, yeah. Anyway, we'll get into it. So a friend of mine is dating this girl whose family uh, is lives in like California or something. And their grandfather owned this house or something along those lines. Like their family owns this house. And in the basement, they found a uh, few cases of whiskey from Prohibition like era. And it had to be pre-Prohibition at the time. Or at least at le- I think it must have been. So it's literally... A hundred year old whiskey in terms of the bottle. Um, and it was an old overhaul, like all a bunch of bottles. And so for big events, they like, especially weddings, they open bottles of um, this old overhaul that's a hundred years old, like distilled probably at, at least a hundred years old or a hundred years ago. And so I'm really hoping they get married. And I don't want to put that pressure on them. So I hope he's not <laughs> listening to this episode, or I hope she's not listening to this episode. <laughs> Um, but I know me and this guy are on the same level of, um, like he would probably at least put me in his wedding in some fashion. Uh, so I'm really hoping to get to that wedding and, um, and try, not only try a bottle of this old overholt from the 19, you know, like teens, basically a uh, 1910s, I guess. Um, but I am really hoping to to buy a bottle off of them and just be like, here's two hundred dollars. I'll take a bottle and I will like, like thank you. Um, so that's that's what I'm getting. Stephen, you can choose to get married or not. Uh, Liza, uh, love you guys. You guys should get married, but don't don't listen to what I say. Do whatever you want. Make your own decisions. Um, but I hope to be at that wedding, and I really hope to get a bottle of that stuff. Um, so and, and that's absolutely crazy to me because Arizona. You know, they sell the signs up on the freeways saying that we're celebrating our, you know, 100 years as a state. Because mm-hmm. we became a state in, like, 1912. Oh, wow. So that, so that was, this bottle was around the time that Arizona became a state. Dang. Yeah, Arizona is a 48th state, which I did not know. Apparently, New Mexico was a state before Arizona was. Yeah, we, we, we cut off parts of New Mexico, and, uh, and, and we became the, the better state. I got to look into the history of that stuff. I, I think I was telling Heather recently that I really want to watch the show, How the States Got Their Shapes. Uh, because I dig that stuff, like like fighting over boundaries and all that stuff. But anyway, that's completely digression. Um, yeah, so I guess, uh, yeah, we talked about the Whiskey World News. Any any other thoughts for Whiskey World News? No, but that, I think that still blows my mind. You know, with all the other collectible items that are on there, yeah. uh, you know, cars, wine. You think wine would would appreciate more than whiskey just yeah. because of the the market for it? But it yeah. just shows you that that people that drink whiskey are really into it and they they really are willing to pay for the good stuff i think like my question is is that pappy 23 the 23 year old pappy which is you know there is a 25 year old old rip van winkle but we'll just talk about the main pappy which in my opinion would probably be better than the 25 year old um and the 25 year old or 23 year old is more prevalent so usually i see that bottle running between 2200 and 2500 um a bottle, a closed bottle. Do you think that that will go up? Uh, almost without doubt. And let me really? just, well, let me put the disclaimer that 
this is not investment advice. Like we're we're not yeah, we're, yeah. we're not we're not here telling you to go out and buy all the bottles of whiskey that you can find mm-hmm. and, and then try to hold on to it for ten years and, and then sell sue it. us when you find out it doesn't appreciate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But at least you'll have it to you know to you'll be able to drink your sorrows with that. Yeah, with, with the, this really great whiskey. Yeah, if it does but, depreciate. Yeah. yeah, but but I mean the way that it's been going, it just looks like it's gonna it's gonna keep going up. Yeah, and I would hate that. I mean, right now I'm dealing with it's bourbon season. And I have no idea how I'm going to find a bottle of antique collection. Um, so that kind of worries me. Uh, I don't have my connections like I used to. Uh, I might be able to score it um, through family members who are looking out for me, but kind of worries me. I would do anything for a bottle of Vigo Rare 17 these days, but um, it's so hard to find that it's like, I mean, it makes sense. A 17 year old aged whiskey, uh, and it's now 101 proof, which makes it even more rare than the 90 proof because. You know, the angel share and all that and watering it down is a little less. But anyway, I guess that's it for today. Um, John, I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate, um, yeah, just especially a last minute. I, I hit up John saying, John, you want to you wanna do an episode with me? Because Adam was, of course, sick and we wanted to record. I'm actually recording on the, sat- the Sunday before the Monday release. Uh, and Adam was cool or very okay with that, especially because he was sick. Um, but But John... I uh, hope you had a good time. Hope you uh, you enjoyed your uh, podcast fame. You can now tell all your friends that uh, you are famous. And uh, I, I got to say this: I was at a, a bar recently, and I um, I was saying that I co-host a podcast, which you kind of got to do. It wasn't a bar; it was actually a distillery bar, so it was at the distillery. And one guy on the other end of the bar is like, "Yeah, I've heard of Chill Filtered," and I don't know if he was drunk or um, ignorant. Or was actually telling the truth, but I was like, "Darn right, you heard of my podcast," <laughs> and I was like super excited to hear that. Um, but I hope, John, that through our notoriety and our um, excellence in podcasting, that you become famous too through this. Appreciate you joining us. I hope that um, yeah, you have a great rest of your week. But most of all, John and listeners, I hope that our love of spirits lifted yours. Mm-hmm.